Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, I love you guys. I thank God for you. I miss you, miss you, miss you. Hey, and we're going to, oh, it's on our radar to get going public again. Uh, But mostly I want to tell you this. I am so proud of you. Because you engaging with us in online worship is evidence that you are growing in your faith. Uh, The Word of God says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. In fact, that's why I want you uh, to be sure to tune in to Facebook uh, every Wednesday night. 7 p.m. to hear our ray, bring the word of God again, that double dose, the word of God on the weekend, the word of God was second take on Wednesdays at seven with our ray. Man, that'll cause your faith to flourish. I bring the word of Christ. Ray brings the word of Christ. Faith grows by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Um, Over the course Uh, One of the reasons it's so important during this difficult, challenging season, we need a flourishing faith to get us through what we're going through. And when you have an extended crisis like this COVID-19 pandemic, man, your faith is, is tested and it feels like your world gets turned upside down. You find yourself arguing with people you don't even know on Facebook about whether to wear a mask or not wear a mask. You find stressors erupting in your home as your relationships feel turned upside down. Uh, The world kind of feels like a dark and scary place, and it can make you feel emotionally upside down, Uh, that your faith goes to the bottom and your fear comes to the top, that your worship bottoms out and your worry gets to the top. It's like your world gets turned upside down in the worst possible way. It's one of the reasons that I'm so excited that God has led us to camp out in uh, James this summer because this little book is like a Jesus on steroids. Jesus turning your life upside down in the best way possible. And that's what I want us to get as I go through the text and the teaching today. Your your life can be turned upside down in the worst way or the best way, and the difference is how you choose. Life without Jesus and your life is turned upside down in the worst way. Bad things can happen, but still your life is turned upside down in the best way when you have Jesus because you got his peace, you got his wisdom, you got his joy, you got his hope, and that is just so overwhelming. It's like your life is upside down in the best way possible. Now, now, now James, again, his teaching is like Jesus on steroids, the word of Christ on steroids. It's like James was a sponge who just soaked up the wisdom of Christ and the teachings of Christ, the stories of Christ. And when you give him a big squeeze, out streams the word of Christ and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Maybe it's because James was the blood brother of Jesus. They shared the same mother, Mary. Um, James, his father was Joseph, while Jesus was the son 
of God. Uh, so they were half brothers. And, and I think what happened when Jesus left home and, and James was kind of just shaking his head and left to, to work the carpenter shop alone, I think one day he takes a day off. And um, he goes to hear his brother Jesus because catch, before I give you the teaching of Jesus, catch one of the opening lines in the book of James. He writes this way, the brother who is poor may be glad. What the heck, the brother who is poor may be glad? Why? Because God has called him to true riches. So evidently, there's fake riches and there's true riches. And the brother who is poor can be glad because God gives him true riches. The rich brother may be glad because God has shown him his spiritual poverty. Now, where does James get this? Like from a fortune cookie? No, I think he takes a day off from the carpenter shop follows the thronging crowds that are congregating around Jesus. I think he kind of hangs, hangs out on the periphery, the outer edge of the crowd, because he can't figure out why all these people are there. Who would walk across the street to hear his brother say anything? I mean, his brother Jesus is no different or better than any other man. But when James hears what his brother has to say, he thinks he is different. Weird different, really weird different. Because on that day, here are the first words that came out of Jesus' mouth. Listen to, to the words of Christ. Glad, glad, glad are those who know they are spiritually poor. For the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Do you want to know how to get to heaven? You want to know how to have everlasting life? Heaven belongs to those who are keenly aware of their spiritual bankruptcy, their spiritual poverty. Now, the word Jesus uses for poor there is a picture word. He means to paint a portrait in the minds of his listeners of a beggar, a beggar who is so humiliated by his poverty, so humiliated by his circumstances that he can't even lift up his head. He bows his head. He covers his face with one hand. He stretches out the other hand, understanding that his existence is totally dependent on the grace and generosity of another. Jesus says, when you have that understanding that you are spiritually poverty stricken and you live with that awareness, covering your face, in fact, uh, this morning, out on our front porch on the porch swing, as I went over my message again, I did that. I just covered my face and bowed my head and said, God, I'm so unworthy. I don't deserve every good gift you've given me, every kindness you've shown me, all the mercy and grace you've showered on me. I'm totally dependent on you. That's the picture Jesus is painting in the minds of his listeners. that there is tremendous, huge benefit in being keenly aware of our spiritual bankruptcy in the presence of God, that we are utterly, utterly dependent on him. And as we lift that hand, he just gives and gives and gives again. So uh, James writes, the brother who is poor may be glad. In fact, he experienced it himself. Three years 
almost to the day, uh, from hearing his brother Jesus say those words, uh, be glad if you are poor in spirit, for yours, you get to live forever, you get to go to heaven, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is crucified on a bloodstained cross. His brother Jesus is brutally executed on a cross. That's Friday. And then on Sunday, Jesus shows up alive, victorious, glorious in James's house. His brother who had just been killed now is alive. He conquered the grave. He conquered hell and death. The grave could not hold him. And now James is keenly aware of two realities. One, his brother Jesus is more than his brother. Jesus is God, risen from the dead. And two, James is spiritually poverty-stricken, spiritually bankrupt. And in my imagination, I just see him going to his knees in front of the one who is now his Lord, bowing his head, covering his face, humiliated by his present circumstance, understanding that he is utterly dependent. And I see Jesus taking his hand and laying hands on James's head. And when Jesus speaks, it's almost as if James feels the word as much as hears them when Jesus says, James. Now I'm your king. Welcome into my kingdom, James. Welcome into my joy. And so it's from personal experience. James goes from from spiritual poverty to being richer than he's ever been in his life. Rich in the things that money cannot buy. Rich in love. Rich in hope. Rich in peace. Rich in joy. Rich in strength. Rich in wisdom. And so James writes, glad. I know it. I know it to to the core of my being. Glad is the one, the brother who is poor, may be glad. God has called him to true riches. And the rich brother, the guy that already has the things that money cannot buy because he has a relationship with Jesus, he is thriving in his faith, he is flourishing in his faith because he's feeding on the word of Christ, that brother can be glad that God has shown him his spiritual poverty because his poverty, because that was the key that unleashed the true riches of God in his life. Well, in scripture, there, there are two men uh, that graphically illustrate this truth of receiving riches that money cannot buy on the basis of our ongoing daily lifestyle of, uh, of awareness of our spiritual poverty. And we find them in the Bible back to back, one in Luke 18, the other in Luke 19. And these two men have three things in common. Number one, they are both just filthy rich. They're rich dogs. They got more money than they need. Huge, fat bank accounts. Uh, Number two, they both have this inner aching emptiness that won't go away, that their money does not satisfy. And number three, they are in hot pursuit of Jesus. They are desperate for Jesus. In fact, the first guy, get this, Luke 18 
The Bible lays them down side by side, lays them down so we can compare them, so we can contrast them, so we can learn what, if we make the choice, how our lives will be turned upside down for the worst, or make this choice, Luke 19, and our life is turned upside down in the best way possible. Well, the first guy, Luke 18, he shows his desperation for Jesus by running to Jesus. Now, th this is amazing because in that culture, adult men did not run. If you got an emergency, send the kids and the servant, but don't let, let them see you sweat. Just be cool. But this guy runs. He didn't care what people think. He didn't care what people are saying behind his back. He didn't care if they're pointing at him, laughing at him. He wants to get to Jesus. And when he gets to Jesus, he throws himself breathlessly at the feet of Jesus. And this is what he says, good teacher. That's how he acknowledges. That's how he greets. That's how he labels Jesus, good teacher. What must I do to be able to go to heaven? What must I do to receive, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is like, oh my gosh. Only God is good. Are you calling, when you call me good, are you calling me God? Is, is that what you believe? And, and if you in any way think that you can get to heaven based on what you do, that you might be able to work it out or earn it or deserve it, why don't you do the commandments? And Jesus gives him five. He says, don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, don't chew, and don't go with girls that do. Sort of. Actually, he does give him Five of the Ten Commandments. The five that have reference to our relationship with other human beings. And the guy's like, hey, this is cool. I've kept the commandments all my life. I'm good at commandments. Give me another commandment. And then there's this dramatic, defining moment where the, the text says that looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Genuine love. It's like the true riches. It's, it's like when you get true riches on your awareness of your spiritual poverty, you get, they come from the genuineness of Christ. Jesus had genuine love for him. And I, I think that slice of scripture is there to remind you that Jesus looks at you and loves you. And out of his great love for this man, in fact, Jesus thinks, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I, I can turn this guy's life upside down in the best way possible. And Jesus says, okay, here's the deal. You want one more command? Here it is. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven and you can come follow me. Now, maybe this guy wished that the follow me part was on the first end, on the front end, because when a teacher used the phrase follow me back in that culture, it carried tremendous significance. It meant the teacher believed in you, that the teacher believed you got it in you to be like the teacher. And so the teacher would say, come, follow me. I believe in you. I believe you got it in you to be like me. Come, follow me. But, but the guy is so in 
love with his money and his stuff. He, he doesn't want to let go of, of what he can handle to take hold of the hand of Jesus and be led into everlasting life. In fact, the scripture says, you see this man, he, he continued to live with his life turned upside down in the worst way possible. He continued to be frustrated and afraid, worried and at war within himself, insecure, inadequate, unsettled, in despair, discouraged, disappointed. Scripture says, the man's face fell. He went on his way sad. Why? Because he had many possessions that he loved way more than the hope of a life turned upside down the best way possible by Jesus. You see, here's the truth I want you to go home with. Life feels, notice that, feels, life feels turned upside down in the worst way when we focus on the things of this world rather than the eternal things of God. You can go through a, a lengthy, extended pandemic with no end in sight. And it can feel like your world is turned upside down the worst way possible. And the reason for feeling that way is that you placed your focus on the temporary things of this life as opposed to the forever attributes of a good God. Well, the Bible lays that guy in Luke 18, a guy whose life uh, was turned upside down in the worst way, right down beside a guy in Luke 19. And the guy in Luke 19 is in Luke 19, as a model for us of how to do life in such a way, of how to respond to Jesus in such a way that we start to have a lifestyle where our life is turned upside down in the best way possible by Jesus. Um, you see, here's the deal. Second deal I want you to have tattooed on your left thigh. Here we go. Life gets turned upside down in the best way possible when we embrace a real relationship with Jesus characterized by real love and real sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving is the essence of real love. It's the acid test of what makes a, a, a relationship flourish in a marriage, in parenting, in a genuine friendship, but for sure, for sure, in a real relationship with Jesus. Now, the first guy, um, Luke 18, he is so desperate that, that, that he runs, not caring what anybody thinks, runs to have a personal interview with Jesus. Second guy, he's so desperate, <laughs> he climbs a tree crawls out on a limb just to get a glimpse of Jesus. Has no thought of actually meeting Jesus or being recognized by Jesus. He just wants to get a look at this guy. The, the first guy. In Luke 18, he's at the top of his religion. Uh, this guy, this tree climber in Luke 19, uh, he is shut out of his religion. He is shunned. He is banned from his religion. This guy, the rich guy in Luke 18, he is welcome wherever he goes in his community, 
This guy, Luke 19, he is hated wherever he goes in his community. This guy, Luke 18, he's respected by everyone across the board. This guy, he is disrespected by everyone across the board. This guy's known as the chief of his religion. Luke, eight, Luke 19 guy, he's known as the chief of thieves. Held in high regard, Luke 18. Held in low regard, Luke 19. And, and this man in Luke 19, um, he climbs a tree to see Jesus. This guy in Luke 18, he's anonymous. We don't know his name. This guy in Luke 19, the name Zacchaeus has, has lived on for thousands of years in the pages of Scripture because he is the model for how a life can be turned out upside down for the best in relationship with Jesus. Well, Jesus sees this guy. And in fact, Scripture says, Jesus looked up into the tree at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your house today. Jesus sees Zacchaeus, and I want you to see yourself as a little guy up in the tree because Jesus sees you, he sees what you're going through, he sees how you feel. And he, Jesus is drawn to what he sees and how you feel about your life. He simply is waiting for you to respond to him in humility so that he can turn your life upside down in, a, in, in the best way possible. Jesus knows Zacchaeus. He's never met Zacchaeus, but he knows him inside and out. That's how he knows you. He knows every dark, every despicable, every hurtful, every hateful thing, every sin. He knows Zacchaeus fully, and in the face of all, that loves him fully. That's how Jesus feels about you. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly, and has an undying, unending love for you. Jesus, not having met Zacchaeus, calls him by name. That's an indication to me that Jesus wants to be on a first-name basis with me. Wants to be on a first-name basis with you. In fact, it's, there's evidence in the text that Jesus is announcing himself as Zacchaeus' new best friend. When he says, I'm going to come stay in your house. Let me see if I have the text here. Uh, it uses the Greek word minnow, uh, which means to be at home with. And so Luke says, Jesus is announcing to Zacchaeus, I want to come and be at home in you. Jesus loved this word minnow, to be at home with. And in fact, let's look at one of the, the huge ways he uses it in John 15. If you make yourself at home in me, and my word is at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask, will be listened to and acted upon. Man, that is tremendous confidence. And how I've seen that at work in my life. When we live in Jesus, make our homes in him, and his word is at home in us, we pray and God goes to work to our good in our behalf, answering our prayers. Well, remember, uh, the Luke 18 guy, he walked slowly away from Jesus with his head down, in deep sorrow. But check out Zacchaeus. He couldn't wait to get out of that tree. Zacchaeus hurried down, welcomed Jesus with great joy. Now, now we don't know what happens when they go inside the home of Zacchaeus. 
We don't know how long it takes. What we do know is that when whatever Jesus did, whatever Jesus said, when they come back out the front door and a crowd is still gathered, we know this. Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. This guy's life has been changed in the best way possible. Maybe you're like, ah, I don't want my life changed like that. But you see, Zacchaeus knew that, found out the heart Jesus had for the poor. And he wanted his heart to beat in time with the heart of Jesus. And Jesus, he couldn't stop smiling over how this man's life had been turned upside down uh, in the best way possible. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, this shows, this is irrefutable evidence beyond debate that today a life has been saved, turned upside down for the best. And you know what? Zacchaeus never got over this moment. He, he never got over the joy of Jesus. He would never let go of the hope of Jesus. He kept loving with the love of Jesus and enduring difficulty with the strength of Jesus and making decisions with the wisdom of Jesus. He went on. He never stopped telling the good news of Jesus. Tradition tells us that he went on to be the pastor of the church in Caesarea by the sea. See, he had a, a lifestyle of being keenly aware of his spiritual poverty and his desperate need for Jesus. Here's the last thing I want you to go home with. Keeping your life turned upside down is the best way possible. It requires a lifestyle of responding rightly to Jesus. We're going to practice that uh, right now. Um, because we've all been guilty of holding too tightly to our stuff putting too much priority on the things of the world and experiencing fear and worry as a result, despair, discouragement, as opposed to the things of God and, and getting the life turned upside down the best way possible. Now, remember that Greek word meno, to be at home with. Jesus uses it regarding communion. And so you have your emblems ready. I want you to be ready to take them and I'll pray over you. But first, let me give you the word of God. Jesus says this, my body is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my body and drinks my blood, I will minnow. I will be at home in them, and they will minnow. They will be at home in me. I'll pray over you. Then you may take the elements together. Let's bow. Our Father, what amazing, awesome, loving God you are. You look at us, and you love us. You offer every single person on the planet the opportunity to have their life turned upside down in the best way possible by responding to Jesus. And so we're here right now to say we're sorry for when we've been more into and more attached to our stuff. We're sorry when we think there are things that we could do to get to heaven when it's all about recognizing our own spiritual poverty and our desperate need for you, Lord Jesus, and that every good and perfect gift we have comes down from our Father of lights. So as we take the bread and eat it, Lord Jesus, please come and make your home in us. And as we take the juice representing your blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, as we drink it, Lord Jesus, it's evidence that we want to make our home in you. That's how we have our lives turned upside down the best way possible. You living in us and us living in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I love you guys. I want to see your faith grow.
So check out Ray, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. on Facebook. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.